in with the realm of yoga, I think meditation is, is almost like a whole body treatment. Welcome to Energy Matters, exploring awakening to your authentic self and finding purpose through mind, body, and soul. With your hosts, Cody Edner and David Gandelman. Brought to you by intuitivevision.net and groundedmind.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Energy Matters podcast. This is David. I'm here with my co-host, Cody Edner, and we have a very special show for you today. We interview the extremely intelligent and personable Dr. Lisa Polinsky. Um, But before we get into that, just want to remind everybody that each episode of Energy Matters is brought to you by intuitivevision.net, which is Cody's website. If you want to really learn and explore your own intuitive abilities, Cody is one of the foremost teachers in the world in my experience that he's been teaching for over 30 years. He has uh, tons of downloads on there that you can uh, get and practice on your own. So intuitivevision.net and my website, groundedmind.com. There's an entire year's worth of meditation content if you want to grow into a meditation practice and really find some structure for yourself. So let's get into the episode. Uh, For me, Cody, this was a huge eye-opener. I I didn't really know exactly what a naturopathic doctor did. Lisa did an incredible job of explaining that. We talked a lot about diet and nutrition supplements, and I even got to ask her uh, what kind of supplements she takes every day. I'm always intrigued by that. I have friends that take like 30 supplements a day and I'm always blown away by how many pills they have to swallow. So it was a very enlightening episode for me on a topic I don't know much about. Uh, How'd it go for you? Yeah, likewise. I didn't really know what a naturopathic doctor uh, did. And it was very interesting to hear about um, the path getting there, the training to become a naturopathic doctor and how much schooling goes into it and and the overall picture and uh, philosophy of... um, taking care of someone's health and wellness from that perspective. I thought it was a great discussion. I really did enjoy when we got off on um, talking a little bit about our paths and following our um, calling and passion and how that affects uh, the rest of our lives and how that affects one's health and wellness. And And it was really great to hear Lisa talk about um, that relationship of uh, being clear about what's working for you in your life and what isn't and and the effect that has uh, on one's health and wellness. So it's a fun episode. She's a great person, a great personality. She she loves to laugh and I'm excited to share this episode with you, but also excited to have her back. There's a lot of great things we could discuss with her. All right, let's roll. You're so welcome. (laughs) Hey, yeah, it's great to be here. And you're in Victoria, Canada, right? Mm-hmm. You're on an yeah. island. You're lucky during this election time, post-election, to be so in uh, another country. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, we've had many texts. Will you take us, please? <laughs> yeah, how does it feel to suddenly be more desirable than America? <laughs> <laughs> A little daunting, but um, yeah. And do we'll you have do- an extra bedroom? <laughs> Yeah, we'll make it work. You're setting up refugee <laughs> Cody, camps. Yeah. yeah, me and Cody could share a futon. It's no big deal. <laughs> You're welcome. Love to have you. <laughs> so speaking of needing a doctor, <laughs> welcome. Oh. Um, 
me and Cody are super fascinated and very ignorant about the topic uh, that you are an expert in, which is naturopathic medicine. So maybe we could just start by you explaining to us what is naturopathic medicine, or do you call it naturopathy? Um, more so naturopathic medicine. Okay. Um, yeah, so basically it's, I would consider it the ancient form of medicine, and I, I always think of it like a big umbrella term. So naturopathic medicine um, covers things like herbal medicine, it covers homeopathy, it covers um, a focus on nutrition, supplements, and also looking at lifestyle and wellness how people are in the world, their stress level, that kind of thing. So naturopathic medicine itself, what we are able to do is work with people um, with conventional labs, conventional diagnoses, but more so from a holistic um, prevention focus. And so it's very similar to conventional medicine in that we still will run labs, we still will you know, look at the body parts, we'll still do diagnoses, but we won't leap to prescribing medications, we'll, we'll focus more on what can we do with this person using all of those wonderful tools that we have that are more naturally focused. And some of them, like homeopathy, is several hundred years old. Um, working with nutrition, of course, is thousands of years old. So when I mentioned earlier, it's like an ancient form of medicine. It's really taking the best of those and using those as treatment. And then if we need to, we actually have um, access to pharmaceuticals. So occasionally we'll use those if those are supportive for the person, but they won't be the first thing that we go to. So it's really about um, not doing harm to the body is the primary goal, looking at the person as a whole. So holistic, um, how their how their stomach issues relates to their headache and how that relates to their hormones. It all ties together and becomes part of a story. And then we're looking at the most nature-based medicine possible. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the core of naturopathic medicine. And there's the focus on prevention is also a key piece. So if somebody comes in and they're on the edge of a diabetic diagnosis or pre-diabetes, if we can prevent illness, then so much simpler. <laughs> so that's yeah. that's really the core. Yeah. Prevention is is kind of a key aspect of what you're looking at when you were and you mentioned diet. When someone, for example, I come into your office and you ask, you'd ask me what my diet is. Do I keep a journal? I just say, yeah, I eat cheeseburgers and French fries for breakfast and shakes for dinner. <laughs> yeah. How, how do you go about assessing a person's diet? And then what do you do? How do you know how to change it? Yeah, that um, and that's a big part of what I do every day. So let's say somebody comes in with um, headaches allergies, some sort of skin reaction, and maybe digestive issues. And that's usually what I'll see is people will have many concerns combined. And so what I'll ask them is, what do you eat for breakfast? What do you eat for lunch? What do you eat for dinner? And um, and so it'll be a rundown on the day, like what's a typical day? What kind of snacks do they have? And I I tend to like to also say, well, what's what's a not great day? Because people will say, oh, I eat, you know, all organic and uh, all lots of fruits and veggies. And and yet everybody has days where they're sort of more flexible. So I like to get a, a real uh, picture. And as you mentioned, a diet diary is a good way to go um, where they write down everything they eat for maybe three days or four days. And then what are the commonalities? So yeah, with the foods, it's really about looking for commonalities and um, 
probably the the key ones are inflammatory foods. And if if people remove those for a short time, they can often notice enormous differences within the first couple of days. And so some of the top ones that are inflammatory tend to be dairy, um, wheat, and sugar. Those are really the top three that uh, oftentimes we'll target. So we can get a sort of bad rap that we're always avoid having people avoid dairy, wheat, and sugar, but it can play a pretty big role. And the occasional hamburger, no problem. If somebody's trying to change their, um, health in a positive way, it, it can be flexible. So there's lots of, lots of ways to go about it. Are there, um, you hear so many different things like you should eat, you know, breakfast is the most important meal shouldn't just eat three meals. You should eat, you know, six or whatever, smaller portions, smaller meals. What What is your feeling on kind of how we, uh, not just the foods we eat, and we all kind of know we should eat more fruits and vegetables, but kind of how we use food um, throughout the day, you know, is, do we eat too much at one time? Is it better to eat a little bit? throughout the day? Do we need to start our day off with food? Those are questions I always kind of run into. Like I'm a big skip breakfast type person. I don't, Mm. I'm not hungry in the morning and Mm. I never have been. And yet, you know, you hear that maybe that's not the best way to be. Um, Mm -hmm. And my daughter is the same way. She doesn't, isn't hungry in the morning. And and so I try to force her to eat, but I don't know if that's the right thing to do or not. <laughs> that's, a that's a parenting thing. question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not the forcing part, but <laughs> no, I'm teasing. Um, well, and part of what you bring up is the idea that what works for one person doesn't always work for another. Um, but in general terms, what I see in practice is people do tend to do better if they have small portions throughout the day. And if and skipping meals, which can be a bit of a habit that people get into, sometimes I'll encourage them to just have a little bit of protein earlier, like maybe start with a, half a smoothie or they start with some oatmeal or something small. And sometimes they'll notice that they actually begin to have an appetite earlier in the day. Mm. So you can kind of retrain your body a little bit. Um, but if it works for a person and they really don't have any health concerns, then that might be just where their body needs to be. And I think listening to your body and letting your body tell you is is a key piece. So it may be that that works for you and your daughter. <laughs> it might be okay. Um, but if, say, there's an energy issue, um, like if you notice that your, your energy dips and it kind of goes in peaks and valleys throughout the day, then having pulses of more regular protein every couple of hours might be a good way to to go to balance things out. And I do see oftentimes people will do better when they do that. So not really skipping meals as a general rule. Mm-hmm. And but you, yeah, you, you just mentioned yeah. protein two or three times. So your protein being more important than say an apple or you know a fruit. Um, yeah. Well, partly what I see so many people for stress issues and. Um, and poor sleep, um, anxiety. And so a lot of the population I see tends to do better with a bit more pulse of protein. And you're right, apples, fruits, vegetables, all the fiber is so key. But if a person, say, has a snack of an apple and then they might have um, sort of cereal or bread, which is a bit more of a carbohydrate, Mm -hmm. they tend to notice that their energy oftentimes will will dip a little bit. So a pulse of protein tends to do a little bit better. And and what kind of protein do you, what's your go-to? 
protein? Uh, well, I love um, sort of a mixture. I find um, things like fish can be great. Um, you can people can do if they can do nuts and seeds; those mm-hmm. can be lovely. And um, even things like protein powders can be okay if they're. Um, I tend to go with plant based, so those usually are my preference. Um, yeah. And there's really lovely things like hemp hearts you can throw on cereal. So there's ways to kind of enhance a a typical carb meal and add a bit of protein to it to, to make it just more, more packed with energy, which tends to help balance things out. I hadn't thought of that. So just adding something like hemp seeds or. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And with your daughter, which, um, I would be curious about is just, does she, does she have energy issues? Because if so, then that encouraging or the forcing of eating yeah. <laughs> will probably be a good way to go. <laughs> yeah, and I'm teasing. I mean, I, I say, come on, we got to eat something. We got to get something in our stomachs before we go to school, you know. Yeah. Well, I know for my children, uh, they get the hangries. So they'll get, um, if they skip a meal, they start to get really grumpy, very um irritable very quickly so the the for them it just doesn't work mm-hmm. and i do see that a lot in my practice yeah need, she does need, that need, too it's not around breakfast though it's later in the day so you know uh, yeah she, so she doesn't get a good lunch then you might see it in the afternoon but in the morning i haven't noticed that so uh-huh yeah and usually later in the afternoons when it'll show up um okay. but it's a little bit a little bit indicative of the morning. So it may be, yeah, it may be interesting to try a morning breakfast. Yeah. Cool. And Lisa, what is, what is your kind of day look like in terms of diet? Do you have a very strict specific diet? Are you an intuitive eater? Do you have some secrets you want to share with us? Oh, <laughs> sure. Well, um, yeah, I would say my general, what I've found for myself is um, I do eat gluten-free and I eat, for the most part, um, no cow dairy. I eat goat and I eat sheep. So I'll have goat cheese, goat yogurt, sheep yogurt, that kind of thing. Um, And I really love to have um, like lemon in my water. So um, I've got that right now, actually. And um, so, yeah, I start the morning with, I tend to have a pretty good breakfast that just works for me. So oatmeal with say almonds, the goat yogurt, hemp hearts, that kind of thing. And lunch often will be soup. Sometimes it'll be say, uh, brown rice, chicken, um, greens, that kind of thing. And just the way my workday works, I tend to do three meals in a snack. Um, so like an afternoon snack and there's some you know, I'm also a mom, I've got young kids and so kind of a busy lifestyle. So I do find sometimes that, um, there's certain protein bars that I like that have, um, like nuts and, um, seeds in them. So I might do that for an afternoon snack. And then I'm a big fan of just a really kind of simple dinner. So I tend to eat a little bit more at lunchtime, a little higher, um, kind of consumption at lunch. And then dinner might be, uh, well, my husband's a hunter, so we might have, say, venison. He's a huge fan of um, of just uh, fresh game and fresh meat. And and I'm not a vegetarian. I know a lot of people are, but I personally look at um, having the protein parts just as so important for our family. So we'll have 
greens and protein and, um, and we'll do lower on the carbs. So maybe a little bit of rice, a little bit of potatoes, that kind of thing. So it's not that different than I would say a lot of people, but for me, the, the focus more so is on organic, um, no gluten, no dairy, and really keeping sweets minimal. I love dark chocolate. I will have a little bit here and there. Um, I definitely am not a purist. I also enjoy a glass of wine here and there. But for me, it's all about keeping it minimal and really listening to the body. So yeah, I, I'd say there's no big secrets there, but <laughs> and, no, that's, that's that's great information. And Lisa, where do you do you shop online for certain things? Do you go to Whole Foods? Where do you, not no, not everyone lives in in a really yeah. fancy place like Victoria, where there's probably a whole bunch of great natural markets and stores. Yes. Where do you get your stuff? Yeah, I know. It? You you got it right there. We have a really beautiful local market, so there's some amazing um, greens. We have actually a garden, so we we grow a lot of our greens, kale and chard and things like that. Um, but we just had a Whole Foods open here that I'm excited about, so that's where we would go. And even some of the more traditional supermarkets um, actually are starting to carry some of the things like goat yogurt, um, goat cheese, sheep yogurt. Um, they'll have some of the the... Oh, and we also have here a really great gluten-free bakery that has things like oat bread. Um, so they have sort of heartier breads. Uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of the circuit. <laughs> do you do anything online? Like I know there's like Thrive.com where you can get stuff. Oh yeah, you, do you have any suggestions you, for people if they don't live in a place where they have access to all those good stores? Um, you know, I do actually have patients really far north, and um, for them, some of the online uh, uh, businesses are the, are the answer because just of what you've said and the local would be extremely expensive. I don't know offhand though, which, which programs or which, um, online companies they'll work with. I just don't have that. You might have that. Like you mentioned the thrive. I just don't know yeah. which ones they are. Yeah. And they may be different for Canada than the U S because of shipping and whatnot. So it might be a little bit different. Right. Yeah, it's really funny, Lisa. Just as you were talking, I'm staying in a hotel right now, and housekeeping just walked in, and I was like, "Hey, yeah, I'm in the middle of recording a podcast, so if you could uh, come back later, <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome." <laughs> See all this gear and the headphones. But yeah, they're like, "What the heck's he doing? It's a secret spy mission." <laughs> you need more fiber in your diet, ma'am. I'll talk to you afterwards. <laughs> So, so Lisa, you are a naturopathic doctor, right? So there's, it's not just nutrition, although that sounds like it plays the biggest role perhaps in um, our health and especially in dealing with chronic kind of illnesses. Um, but, mm-hmm. but it's, it's much bigger scope than that. And it sounds like it all leads towards um, wellness and, and just being in a lot of, you know, in the energy of wellness with ourselves. But how did you get into the naturopathic medicine were you a foodie were you more of a Um, person interested in herbs and uh, you know what aspect drew you to um, that path well yeah that's a great question um I was in my 20s and I actually started off kind of going fairly traditional I had an undergrad in psychology and I went into human resources and I worked for um, a high-tech company and I really enjoyed the the work but I actually had a couple of um, car accidents. So I was healing from those. They were whiplash injuries. And 
And I was always the person at work who would be doing cleanses and making odd smoothies in the lunchroom and <laughs> taking different herbs and reading books. And so I always had this interest, but as I was healing from the car accidents, and I remember laying on the floor in pain and just thinking, wow, what am I doing with my life? Is this what I love? Do I love human resources? Am I excited about it? And uh, and my answer was really, no, I enjoy it, but I'm not passionate about it. And so having interviewed so many people who were in careers where it wasn't their passion, I just took that opportunity to think, okay, what am, what's what's my love? And I realized that I would always be reading magazines about nutrition, or I'd be reading about herbs on the weekend and going to learn about iridology and how the iris, um, you know, indicates what's going on in your health. Uh, so I'd be doing all of those things on the weekend. So that's when I realized that's my passion. I love that whole realm. And I didn't actually know about what kind of, uh, career opportunities there were at the time. Cause this was quite a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but then I explored it and found about this medicine and it encompassed everything for me. So it was all the things I loved and it also had a a structure to it. It had a a professional training. And so that's really where it started from uh, was, okay, that's my love. That's my passion. And now how do I do it? And so that's, that began many years of school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How long does it take to um, pursue naturopathic medicine and get your doctorate? Well, for me, because I had a a psychology undergrad and no science, I avoided science altogether. Mm -hmm. I thought, I'm never doing science. I'm bad at math. I'm not going to do it. But because of the degree, I needed to do all of the uh, undergrad chemistry and physics and biology. And so that actually took three years of working plus school. And then it's a four-year degree. And so I went to Portland down in Oregon. And that's the school that I went to. So it was, it was, yeah, a lot of years, probably, I guess that's what, 11 years of school. <laughs> so if someone's interested in becoming a naturopath, it, there's schools specifically for that? Yes. There, oh, okay. Yeah. There's, there's one in Portland, there's Connecticut, um, Arizona, Toronto, and in Vancouver. Oh. And then there's, yeah, there's a couple in Europe as well. I loved Portland. Amazing town still live there if it was in Canada, but it isn't. So that's <laughs> why I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Oh. It was quite a career. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a quote actually that uh, really helped me through all of that. Um, when I was deciding on this as a career, the Goethe quote, um, boldness has genius power and magic in it. Whatever, whatever you dream, begin it. That is one that I read way back then. And it just carried me through school. I'm not sure how I'm going to do this. I'm not sure how I'm going to financially cover it, but I know this is my passion. And so that, yeah, that kept me going and really all sorts of things showed up. I I had no clue how I was going to pay for it, but money showed up and the career happened. And now it's, it's nearly 20 years later. So, wow. Yeah. So, and Lisa, you were, I just, that one part of your story where you're in a human resources job where it's your job to interview people and ask them what their passion is. And then I don't know after how many people you interviewed, but they, you realized they were all mentioning their passions and you were sitting there listening and going, wait, this isn't my passion. 
to ask other people about what their passion is. <laughs> What's mine? That's a that's a great kind of awakening, isn't it? And it's just really reminds me of so many people who do that. They're just in a job that isn't for them and they don't kind of listen to that call. Just last night I taught a class of creating your life path and we went around the room and I asked everyone to share one thing they wanted to create. And some people shared these careers stories. So when you shared that, it reminded me of last night. Is that kind of essentially what happened? All these people yeah. were telling you that? and <laughs> Yes, that's exactly it. And most of them were saying, I don't really know, but I like people. And so I also was noticing people don't know what they want to do. Uh, and it it really reflected back to me, wow, is this what I want to do? So yeah, that's exactly how it happened. And I, I, I've reflected back on it over these years. And um, people say, a, a career can sometimes, or a passion can be a calling. And for me, it became a calling, but it also became almost like a yelling. Like I realized I can't do anything but this because if I did, that's when things like accidents happen, or that's when I, I would get really mm. tired. You know, if I was off my path, I would, it wouldn't work for me. So I even tried to not do it for a little bit, but <laughs> there was no choice. <laughs> this was, this was what I was meant to do. So yeah. And it's been, it's been a, a fun career. It's really quite inspiring. Yeah. Life dragged you to your purpose. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I, I have a similar experience with uh, meditation, teaching meditation, you know, being energy aware and uh, kind of spreading the word of spirituality and awakening. Um, I started early on, like when I was 18, 17, I guess I started uh, in meditation and exploring that path. And and by the time I was about 30, I thought, you know, I'm going to do something different. And so I went back to college and and I enjoyed that experience. But uh, I, whenever I was not doing energy awareness stuff or meditating, just nothing worked and everything would fall apart. And so finally I was like, well, I guess I just have to do this. <laughs> so I'm, there I am. They're the only people that will accept later. me. Yeah, yeah, they're my people. <laughs> Uh, but I think it is, you know, when you really have that calling or you find uh, a path, it's not just that it's your passion, because uh, at least for me, in my experience, I tried to do something different that I also had passion about, but then everything else didn't really work. You know, everything didn't flow. And that when I did do this, when I did kind of focus on meditating, energy awareness and teaching, then everything just flowed. Everything's effortless. So mm -hmm. that was the difference for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of think of it as resonance. You know, um, I'm in resonance with my career. And when I wasn't doing it, it was everything was off. So in terms of frequency, it was like a wobbly frequency or it wasn't really in resonance. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's part of kind of what I see the medicine is about as well is when people's health is in resonance, they feel good. They have good energy. Their sleep's good. Their appetite usually will be good. They, they maybe get a cold or flu occasionally. Um, and their, their system really is in balance. And, and when it isn't, it will tell them like their body will tell them, gosh, I'm feeling a bit draggy. Oh, look, my skin's a little inflamed. And so that's, that's part of the fun is figuring out where are they out of balance? And it, it, it actually could be in their career, maybe they're they they're meant to do something else, and all the stress is affecting their system. So their body really gives them the signals about being in balance or in resonance or not. Um, so it's it's very similar. So in meeting with someone in, in in a consultation, then it's not just 
you know, are you eating? Are you exercising? You know, um, but you might be kind of looking for at the whole picture. Like, are they in the right career? Are they following their passion? Are they a whole person in that way? Yes, exactly. And so, and I have seen patients over time where they they struggle with their foods or they struggle with trying to, you know, keep going to yoga, which I personally love, um, or they'll, they'll, they'll struggle with it. But when they actually make that change within a relationship or they've, they realize that this city doesn't work for them and they've meant to be, you know, living somewhere else or changing their career because it just doesn't work for them. It's amazing how things will fall into place and their whole system will shift. So it is very much about the whole person. Um, and, and kind of finding out, you, you know, what's the cause of their imbalance? Is it, is it nutrition? Is it missing a vitamin or is it actually that they're just meant to really be doing something else? And sometimes it will get to that where they're just out of alignment, um, with who they are, but the body will respond beautifully. And sometimes mm. it's as simple as, gosh, you need a bit more vitamin D. So it, it can kind of go full spectrum into big picture or, or sometimes it goes into just the simple stuff. Right. But yeah. So do you promote meditation as, as part of um, what you would direct someone towards, towards looking at and and practicing? I, yes, absolutely. It's one of my favorite, um, uh, in with the realm of yoga, I think meditation is, is almost like a whole body, treatment and mm. and so many people come in and I've just had this so many times over the last few months where people come in they sit down and they'll say I just need to be more grounded. <laughs> <laughs> and you say I have the answer for you. <laughs> yes, you betcha. I totally do. I just smile and I say oh yes, I understand and um and because a lot of the population I work with are are fairly busy people who are who are working and um you know just really trying to take good care of themselves but they just can't do it all and so the groundedness and meditation I think is enormous for settling down their nervous system for really creating that space for them to, to even listen to their body, to take some time to tune in. Hey, how do I feel? Mm -hmm. And I think that inquiry, um, and that time with themselves really creates space for listening and then space for answers and, and on a super simple level, just slowing down is uh, is of enormous benefit, and many people won't. They just <laughs> keep <Right>. going. So. <laughs> they can't. Yeah. They can't stop. Now, meditation, I think, is is wonderful. So I'm very supportive of what you guys are doing. I think it's yeah. We like meditation too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and On so, occasion, uh, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just going to ask Lisa. Um, so you said one of the main things that you notice with your clients with your patients is they're suffering from different levels of stress on a naturopathic level. What would you prescribe somebody for their stress? Are there some herbs, supplements, uh, even dietary changes they can make so that mm-hmm. stress level comes down? Uh, I mean, other than meditation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's quite a few. And if we start with the foods, which is kind of the simplest, um, I would recommend that people really be a bit aware of how much caffeine they have. So during times of stress, people often will start to have a little bit more coffee, a little bit more chocolate, a little bit more sugar sometimes as well. And that those tend to work against 
settling down their body, it, they often will jack it up a little bit more. And so you get into that vicious cycle of, oh, no, now I'm more stressed, even though I'm trying to cope. And so not so much zero, but definitely dialing those foods back or those items back can really help the nervous system. So maybe one coffee a day, you know, chocolate here and there, um, but trying to minimize any kind of sugar and really focus on those whole foods, like the apples and the fruits and vegetable protein, like I said, and that tendency to um, really even have mindful eating. Sometimes with stress, people will, um, they won't create the space for being conscious of their food. So they'll eat very quickly while they're doing other things and trying to breathe and be aware of their meal and eat mindfully can help with the nervous system as well. It just creates that space for taking in their nutrition and, and really being present to their food. Yeah. I have a, a question because that, that makes me think as you talk about stress so often, I think of stress as, um, you know, outside environmental factors that, you know, what someone said or what I have to get done or just pressures I'm under. But it makes me think back to something you said early on, which is the first thing nutritionally that you attack is um, foods that would create inflammation and inflammation in the body. And isn't that a form of stress that the body's in when it mm-hmm. is in, um, in, I don't know what you call it, inflamed? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and, you know, medicine is pointing to that in many different ways. Um, like migraines, uh, lots of things like heart disease, Um, even cancer, it can be inflammation that's gone unchecked. Mm -hmm. So yeah, inflammation is basically a really simple term for the body under stress. And then the causes of it can be what you're saying, all these external things. Um, But it can also be that their their system can no longer um, withstand a stressor and then come back to calm. Mm. So our bodies are meant to kind of go through, oh gosh, there's a, a bear running after me. I'm going to experience stress, but then afterwards, long periods of rest, that's, that's what we were meant to have, (laughs) but that's not what we experience anymore. It's just constant bears. And so our bodies are on high alert and that equals more inflammation. And then some foods create inflammation in in people. Yeah, you got it. And then that's part of that continued inflamed state. And it's sort of to lesser degrees for certain people. Um, and then, and so then if we go to David's question about what can you do to help with stress, mm-hmm. helping the body be able to tolerate, um, ongoing challenges, be they news or be they, you know, relationship difficulties and some ways to help that or to help settle down and tone the nervous system. So it can handle it a little bit better. And in the vitamin zone, uh, B vitamins are probably my number one recommendation for people who are experiencing stress. Okay. And B B vitamins kind of soften the body. People find that they have better energy and they have often a better tolerance. So if they have demands or too many things to do, they feel like they've got perspective. Like they're a little bit lifted above the stress. So B vitamins are one of my all-time mm. favorite. Yeah. B complex usually sometimes a little bit higher in B5 or B6 because those can help a little bit more. Um, And also vitamin C, which we often forget about because it's just such a 
pedestrian vitamin. <laughs> so <laughs> the first one that anyone really ever studied. But there's a good reason for it is because we humans can't produce vitamin C. So we have to get it through diet. And if people are a bit low on fruits and vegetables, they end up getting a bit low on vitamin C. And because it affects our stress level, low vitamin C can lead us to be more reactive to stress. So B vitamins and vitamin C are kind of my two top favorites. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And then in the herb realm, um, probably there's, I don't know, I could think of maybe 30 different herbs that are really useful for times of stress. But some of my favorites that people may find um, at the health food store that are fairly easy to get a hold of, one of them is called theanine. And that's actually a component of green tea. So you can either drink green tea or you can take theanine and it can uh, really balance and calm the body and still keep, people can still be alert so they can be in their work day and, um, and just kind of, you know, they can handle it a little bit better. So theanine can be a good one. So Lisa, you know, those are some um, um, amazing uh, suggestions. Thank you. And, and also, for example, if I work in an office, if I take green tea and you're, you say it keeps, you can be calm, but still be cognitive at work. But what if I'm somebody that needs two or three or four cups of coffee to get out of bed and get going in my day? Is there a natural alternative to that, um, mm-hmm. to, to have that awakefulness that most people get? Or a really, really strong green tea. That's the strongest one I can get. (laughs) Right. How can you jack it up? Um, (laughs) Well, if somebody, so what I've often found is that if people need a lot of coffee to get going, then they probably should seek some care. See somebody like myself (laughs) (laughs) because there may be another reason that they're um, leaning on the coffee. And, And I would look at things, simple things like, How's their iron level? What's up with their thyroid function? Um, what about their, even their adrenal function with their glands in their body that help them with stress? Sometimes the adrenal function gets really low and, and needs a lot more attention than, than uh, a, you know, a green tea. So I would, I would suggest having somebody look to figure out, is there something deeper going on? And if not, um, if they don't choose to do that, then beginning the um, the vitamins we've talked about, B and C, but also looking at something like ashwagandha, which is one of my favorite herbs. <laughs> um, it's got a kind of a long name, but it's an Ayurvedic herb uh, from India from several thousand years ago. And ashwagandha really helps people with I consider it like a lift, you know, a hand coming and giving you a lift. Ashwagandha can help raise up your your tolerance to stress and raise up your energy and help you with more um, capacity for the body to go through the day with all the demands that we have. And that if people are having three cups of coffee, I highly encourage them to wind it back down to one. And they may actually notice just doing that helps their energy. Um, one of my colleagues used to say that having a lot more coffee is like putting the car in neutral and just revving the gas pedal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's a great analogy. I know. So it's kind of just burning out the system. And yet we, you know, I've 
all lots of people have done it, but uh, winding it back to one and see if that's okay and helps them. It may just be that they're overstimulating their system. So, yeah, there's a lot of ways to go. <laughs> yeah, and then and then in terms of just supplements in general, there's I mean it's there's so much out there, fish oils and vitamins, and uh, it seems like it's an ever growing industry. And I have friends who like. I was staying with some friends and they were each pulling out their vitamins and supplements in the morning and they were taking like 30 pills each. And I was like, Oh my God, that's like enough to, to take down a horse. Do you, um, you know, do you suggest for most of your patients take, you know, take this, this and this every day? Um, are, are there certain supplements that you take every day just for well being and health? What, is, mm -hmm. what do you, what does that look like for you? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of trying to keep it as simple as possible, but depending on the person and what we're treating, it can get bigger bigger lists of things, but I do try to keep it simple for sure. Um, so for me and what I do recommend for everybody in North America, let's see, you guys are in... You're, I'm in well, New Mexico today. Oh, you are. So you're <laughs> probably getting Colorado. some sun. Yes, exactly. So in Canada and in anywhere sort of Seattle and up, um, and during the winter, mostly vitamin D is a really important one because we can't make it um, at the latitude that we're at. I think New Mexico might be okay. <laughs> Colorado, <laughs> no, you still need vitamin D. Oh, okay. um, so vitamin D is key and it really helps people have less colds and flus during the winter. So during this time of year, I highly recommend vitamin D. I do see so many people, as I mentioned, for stress. So B vitamins are one of my favorites. I take them every day. Um, vitamin C, I take every day. And fish oil also because it really helps with brain function, memory, um, mood, and just keeping our marbles together. And I think that's <laughs> a good one. So fish oil um, also um, would be part of that kind of top four I would say. And then after that, it gets a little unique depending on what the person is coming in for. Um, so I think some good solid vitamins are, are a really great prevention strategy. And it's fine for people to take a break from them. I, I actually encourage that. And oftentimes they'll, they'll roll along pretty well as long as life is going pretty good. But once they start to increase their pace again. Um, sometimes they need to go back into the supplements to help. Uh, so yeah, it can get complicated which ones, but that's sort of where we come in trying to customize it for the person yeah. and help take the guesswork out for sure. And what do you think about just like a daily multivitamin that has all of those in there? Uh, is it, does it worth it or do you just start peeing neon and it just comes out <laughs> the other end? <laughs> well, and that's a great question. I think if someone feels generally pretty good, a multi might be a lovely choice. Um, and I would get a good quality one. If you're going to, if you're going to do something, you may as well do it well. So not mm -hmm. something from say the big box stores, um, or, um, you know, getting a, going in and asking at a health food store supplement place, what's a good quality and th they'll help you with that. Um, and you, and just to comment the yellow pea, like when you get, um, increased sort of neon <laughs> pea, <laughs> yeah, that what's actually, in my pee? what's my pea? <laughs> um, that I always warn people about that, that usually, it doesn't mean that you're flushing it all out. It just means that that's one way your body is getting rid of some of it, like the B vitamins. So 
it doesn't mean that it's all going out, which is a, a good myth. That, so um, it's not just money going out the other end. No, okay. Yeah, good to it's know. Fun, <laughs> that's expensive pee. At least Dr. Lisa Polinsky on Energy Matters. <laughs> that's David for you. He'd be, he'd be holding that pee in thinking, well, maybe I'll get longer benefit if, if I just hold it for a while. It's a new technique. Put my money to good use. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) So Lisa, uh, we don't have too much time left, but where can people find you? And can they, you know, not most of our listeners don't live in the country of Canada. Uh, Although many may be moving there. Maybe they will soon. Um, Do you, is there a way to, how do, how do they find you? Can you work with people long distance? How does that all work? Yes. So, um, well, our website is sageclinic.com, which is S-A-G-E-C-L-I-N-I-C.com. And um, I'm happy to work with people long distance. Um, There's kind of some limits to that. Of course, I can't do prescriptions that way if that was part of their medicine. But also finding a local naturopathic doctor, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, There's many communities that have them. Also, there's many that don't because we're still a pretty small profession. So long distance, I can do a fair bit in, um, in visits with people and we send things, we ship them all over. I've worked actually with people in the UK and Australia and, um, Alaska, New York. Um, so it is a part of the practice to connect with people in different, different locations. So do you Skype with them. How do you do it? Yeah, I what I usually do, I actually find it's better on the phone as opposed to Skype because technology often will get in the way. So I'll just do a phone consult and they'll sometimes if there's a rash, they'll send a photo by email or something like that. So if you <laughs> do, I can uh, visually get a sense. Um, the ideal is to meet them in person at some point. Um, so that is the ideal. But then we can do con- what I call consultative medicine. So I'm not necessarily their primary care physician when it's long distance, but I can consult. You know, what vitamins are they taking? What 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 tests have they done with their local conventional doctor? Is there some other approach that we could take to their health? Uh, so there's a lot that can be done with long distance. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> and. Thank you so much, Lisa, for coming on the show and sharing your knowledge. And we'd love to have you back on another time. There's so much we didn't get to ask you about yet. Um, I was just reading your resume, which seems to go on forever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Homeopathy and most of the words I can't pronounce, so I won't try. But um, we'd love to have you back if you want to come back, continue this conversation sometime. Uh. I'd love to. Yeah. yeah. I have a lot of questions we didn't get to as well. So. Yeah. And we're and we both want to text you some pictures of some rashes if you have some time <laughs> later. <laughs> My favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you could find Lisa, Dr. Lisa Plinsky at sageclinic.com. I saw you guys have a cool blog on there, some really great resources. And I've met you in person. You're amazing. <laughs> Highly recommend you as a doctor. And um, thank you for your amazing wisdom and knowledge today and taking the time, Lisa. It's been so fun. Cody, David, love it. Thank you so yeah, much for having so me. Much. <laughs> cool, Lisa. We'll see you guys Always soon. Fun. See you soon. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. 
Hey, hope you enjoyed that uh, episode. It kind of feels like we had to cut it short. There's so much more we could talk about with Lisa, and we do look forward to having her back. Uh, it's great to explore health and wellness, and, and of course, always at the center of any great health and wellness practice is a meditation practice, I think. And Lisa uh, seemed to concur that uh, the importance of meditation in one's uh, wellness and balance is uh, significant. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't get a chance to mention this during the episode, but uh, I got to hang with Lisa in person last year at a meditation retreat in Lake Tahoe, and it was pretty cool. She's a very bright, amazing, beautiful person. And maybe we should start selling supplements through our website, Cody, because there seems to be so many people into that. (laughs) Lisa had a lot to say. Uh, in, in regards to supplements and diet that I just, you know, didn't have that much awareness about and I'm ready to study and, uh, learn a little bit more. So that was really great for me on a personal level. And I hope a lot of you guys listening got something out of that too. She will be back on again. We've already talked to her about it. So now that we put it in the outro for this episode, she has to come back on. There's pressure on her. Um. (laughs) Yeah, that's actually a great idea to, um, take a look at, what supplements and what kind of practices really aid and support someone in their intuitive awakening and development, which is part of what we're all about is awakening uh, to energy. And there is certainly a uh, mind-body connection that has to do with that, right? It's very hard to awaken to higher levels of awareness and consciousness if your body is uh, struggling and uh, not in full wellness, really. All right, everyone. Well, thank you for listening, and uh, we will see you on the next episode of Energy Matters. Enjoy yourselves. Meditate. Take some time. You've been listening to the Energy Matters podcast with Cody Edner and David Gandelman, brought to you by IntuitiveVision.net and GroundedMind.com. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud.com.